You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Paul Hirsch. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. The thing about trailers is it's all rhythm. It's all about rhythm. And I had played the drums, so it came very naturally to me to, to pick up on the idea of film editing as a musical interpretation. It's a little misleading because the things that I learned in trailer editing don't apply to feature editing and when I first got my chance to do a feature film I realized that I really I went into it with great confidence I was 23 years old and I said I thought to myself yeah I can do that and not knowing what I didn't know my father being a painter would always talk about being faced with the blank canvas you know like a writer has a blank page and he sort of elevated those arts to a higher level than the interpretive arts, uh-huh. you know, which I, I suppose is valid, you know, but on the other hand, if there weren't a, um, you know, a Horowitz to interpret Beethoven, what good would Beethoven be? There have to, you have to have a, an interpretive artist to bring what's on the page to life, you know, uh-huh. so uh, there's a place for both in, in the world of of art. I think that editing is an interpretive art. You look at the material and and you react to it. You make decisions about what do I want to reveal at the beginning of the scene and what do I want to save for the end and how do I you know, how do I want to build to a particular impact. Or if you look at all the dailies for a scene you find these moments and you think, how can I use these moments to best advantage? What's the best way to present this? Whether the intention is comedic or dramatic or or horrific or whatever whatever you're trying to achieve you're trying to get the maximum effect from the material by eliminating what's not necessary and highlighting what you keep in the in the most uh, effective way your question about how do you look at a scene over and over and over and make decisions about it is a little bit like those puzzles they used uh, games they used to have in the newspaper they would say what's wrong with this picture you look at the picture and you say, well, the cow is on the roof, you know, or the cat has two tails, or the bicycle has only one wheel, or whatever, you know, whatever the, you have to find the things that are wrong with the picture. And editing to, to a certain extent is like that. You watch the film and you, you wait for things to strike you as wrong. What, what's wrong? You know, you, you're looking for things that, oh, this is too long, and this is too short, this moment doesn't land. I, I didn't I didn't understand that or you know this cut is awkward or you know and you look for things that worry you that bother you and eventually you run out of these things uh, being a director for instance unless again unless you're one of the privileged few is like running for office for the rest of your life you're constantly campaigning and trying to pr- convince people to, to have confidence in you give you money and give you a job whereas as an editor uh, I was able to go from project to project without too much. I mean, I, I used to go maybe six months without a job at, at the longest. Uh-huh. Uh, but I like, I'm happiest when I'm busy. Uh, I could save the studios millions and millions of dollars every year by instituting a simple rule, which is when you're looking at visual effects shots, you would not be allowed to stop on a frame. Uh-huh. You just have to see it in motion. 
because once they stop and look at the frame, then they start picking up all these details that have nothing to do with the function of the shot in the context of the cut. And they spend a lot of time and money polishing things that the audience is never aware of. As Herbert Ross used to say, you only get one opportunity to see the picture for the first time. We have to concentrate on the details down to the very frame that we decide to, ch to cut on, and we have to concentrate as well on the entire experience. There's the micro and the macro. We have to keep a balance between the two considerations. A very important lesson I learned on the very first film I did, which is that even if you edit each scene beautifully, it doesn't mean that the film overall is well edited because there's a totality to the experience. I sometimes compare it to a meal, you know, no matter how good the food is, eventually the audience gets full and they don't want anything. They don't want any more. You have to balance the momentary experience with the overall. And when you became involved with um, Star Wars, I, were you aware of the phenomenon it would be? No, no, none of us did. I mean, I thought it was a wonderful picture. And I was excited to be on it and part of it, you know. I, I don't know any other picture that's had the kind of impact that it has. It's odd, you know, I've thought about this a lot because like the James Bond pictures, mm -hmm. there have been many more James Bond pictures. Yeah. The franchise is over 50 years old. You know, and Bond has had an impact on the culture, but not in the way that Star Wars has. I just find that Star Wars generates a kind of passion, and it's universal. It seems to be across, you know, nations and different cultures uh, are all caught up in the uh, phenomenon. It comprised so many different genres in one. There was the Western with the shootout in the saloon and, and the Indians and the, attacking the wagon train in the pass. And there was Robin Hood and the sword fights in the castle and rescuing the, the princess. And there was uh, World War II fighter plane uh, war movies from the South Pacific. And there were all these movies jumbled up cut up and stir-fried into something fresh. Watching the movie, you were watching all the movies you'd ever seen in your life. It's so much more complicated now with the digital uh, tools. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, there's so many ways you can push and pull the material. It gets very complex. You can slow things down, you can speed things up, you can change the image, you can you know, you can erase things in the image. There's all sorts of things you can do that were not traditionally part of editing. You know, when I spent 25 years cutting film and I spent another 25 years working on computers, cutting the images digitally. And in the first 25 years, what you got on film, that was it. The art was to make the most of it through deciding when to begin the shot, when to end it, and in what context to put it then it becomes much more complicated when you have all these other factors or dimensions that you have to take into consideration. There have been these occasional shocks to the business when sound was introduced, when television came along, when videotape came along, when DVDs came along. The, all these new platforms, ways of seeing film, changed how the business worked. and. Mm -hmm pandemic aside, we're going through a period where now where people are largely abandoning theaters mm -hmm. to a great degree and turning to streaming mm -hmm. as a way of seeing films. And everybody's getting on Netflix. I mean, it's accelerated by the pandemic, but this is a trend that was happening already. 
where people now have 65-inch televisions in their homes with great resolution, high def, and sound systems and that rival anything you see in the theater. So theaters react by, you know, to a shrinking audience by raising their prices, which is exactly the opposite of what is logical. So De Palma used to talk, he used to predict that movies would be someday be like opera, where mm-hmm. you would have a very small but passionate audience, and the performances would be very expensive, mm-hmm. but that most people wouldn't care at all about it, you know, and it was supported by this you know, small, intense, passionate group of supporters and I think that's that seems to be on its way to coming true the kids today I don't think they care about movies at all I think they care about influencers on social apps and YouTube and, uh, but this is what's making the culture you can sort of tell uh, that you're getting aged out of the culture by I, I like to do crossword puzzles yeah. and now I'm seeing clues about things I know nothing about, you know, character in a video game. The kids today are shaping the culture in ways that have not too much to do with movies. I don't know what the future is for movies as an art form. I really don't. It's changing. There are these new forms like, you know, series that people like to binge on where you can have a story that takes many hours to tell. When they're good, they're great. When they're not, they're forgettable. I, I just don't see where the business is going. Western civilization at Columbia University, and I never dreamed that the Enlightenment, which produced the philosophers who dreamed up the United States Constitution, would be under attack in this country, that you would have to mount a defense of the, of the principles of the Enlightenment against concentrated rejection by vast segments of the population. It's very disturbing to me. Suddenly it's there, and it's not like, you know, oh, let's go see the new movie on Friday night. It's just they've changed the the entertainment experience into a utility, like electricity or water. You turn on the tap and it's there. There's no excitement about the event. They're going to have to find some way to make it an event, you know, because otherwise it's just wallpaper. Art is the whole point. I mean, of all the pursuits that people can engage in, everything else is survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think about it, it's all just, you know, which is important. You have to eat, you have to stay healthy, and you have to protect yourself from the elements and all the other pursuits that people engage in. Mm-hmm. But all that stuff is geared just to survival. The arts represent what you can do, given the life that you're protecting with all those other pursuits, what mm-hmm. do you do with it? You make art. To me, that's the whole point. If you don't make art, there's no point to life. You know? We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Has this interview sparked your creative process? If so, you can submit your creative works to submissions at creativeprocess.info for an opportunity to be included in the projection elements of our exhibition, Traveling to Leading Universities, or published on our website, www.creativeprocess.info. Want to get involved in exhibitions or interviews? Email us at 
team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.